Welcome to The Yogi Social Worker, a podcast about all things yoga and mental health. I'm your host, The Yogi Social Worker, also known as Elizabeth, and I invite you to join me in this space for a time of learning, self-care, and whatever else I feel like throwing in here. So buckle up and let's jump into it. The hardest thing that I have ever done in my life, and I've done a lot of hard things in my life, but the hardest has been to slow down. And when I say slow down, I mean, I don't constantly have something on my to-do list that I have to do. I'm not going, going, going all day, every day. I don't have really high highs of being super busy and then really low lows of getting to the weekend and crashing and throwing back drinks and forgetting about how hard my week was. That's what I mean by slowing down. And if you are familiar with me in the world of social work and mental health, you will know that I thrived on working. I I didn't know anything else but to just work constantly. And if I wasn't in the middle of some crisis, I didn't know what to do with myself. And the interesting thing about us mental health professionals is that you hear these jokes all the time about how kooky we are because we go into this kooky field and we're like the biggest kooks ourselves because we like working with crazy people. And that used to be the most offensive thing to me. People used to say that to me often, believe it or not. You you would be surprised at the things that come out of people's mouths directly to your face. Um, and I used to get that comment quite often and I would get really offended. But now, <laughs> now that I've had some more years to reflect on it and all of the changes that I've gone through in my adult life and navigating that world, I do believe that there's a grain of truth to it. And by grain, oh, I'm, I'm helping people. I'm putting out fires every single day and I'm not taking care of my mental health, my physical health, my emotional health, my spiritual health, my relationships are complete shit, but gosh darn it, I'm helping other people. And when you put all of your energy and you invest all your time into quote unquote helping other people, you don't have time to help yourself and you lose yourself very quickly. And I don't think, uh, I don't think us mental health professionals enjoy downtime. I think we think we do. And we want more downtime and we complain about how busy we are all the time, but we don't, we don't actually want it because to, to be in stillness means that we have to sit with our own thoughts and face our own demons. And that, that's not fun. There's no high in that. That's just puts you in the dumps, right? So all of that to say, I spent my whole career chasing other people's problems and just being on 24 seven. And then a couple of years ago, I started going to therapy and I realized that 
I had a lot of issues that I had never unpacked. So then I started to unpack those issues. And slowly over the last couple of years, I reached a point where I wasn't as invested in the work anymore. And at the time that I started therapy, I was working full time at a job or a company that I had been at for several years and I had moved up and I was doing all these things and I was also doing private practice on the side. So I had my full time job and I was seeing clients on the side and I was busy, busy, busy. And then when I started going to therapy, I had a revelation one week that I was not Like, why am I working this much? I don't have to work this much anymore. There was a time that I I did. I had to work that much to make ends meet, but I don't have to have two jobs to pay my bills anymore. So then I left the the big girl job, the, the one that I had moved up in, just to do private practice. And I did that for a while. And then I did more work on myself. And then at some point, I realized that I wasn't passionate about that work anymore either. And my desire to throw my own life away to be a martyr for other people so that I could, you know, keep running from my own problems, like that desire was quickly fading. <clears throat> and and then a couple of months ago, I left the field completely to teach yoga because I was done running. And I was fully invested in being present and slowing down. It's the best decision I ever made for myself was to slow down and completely be in the present moment. And so now I spend my days by myself a lot. I teach yoga at my local studio. I plan videos and I film them and I refilm them sometimes and I edit them and there's so much time, work, energy that goes into creating videos, that goes into doing anything like that online, especially when you put your whole heart and soul into it. And so I do spend lots of time in the world of yoga. I have my own practice, all the things. But apart from that, I am in stillness often. So I share all of that with you to start a topic around stillness. And I want to talk about this topic because it is a huge part of yoga and it is a huge part of healing for every single one of our mental health. So my first experience in stillness ever, I remember it like it was yesterday. And oh my goodness, I don't remember the year. I wish I I could remember the year. I need to ask my friend if she remembers, but it was my very first yoga class ever. And the whole thing was really, you know, it was fine. I didn't have any weird feelings about it. I was like, oh, I've never moved my body like this. This is interesting. This is cool. And I was, you know, with my best friend and we were just doing the thing and whatnot. And then we get to the end of class and they're like, okay, we're going to go into Shavasana And if you don't know what Shavasana is, it is also known as the final resting shape or final resting pose at the end of a yoga class. So in a typical yoga class, you will have Shavasana at the end of every single class. And it is when you just lay there, typically on your back, and you just lay there and you you just are. 
you're just a human laying in stillness and that's all it is. (laughs) And it sounds so simple and yet it is not. And I got into that Shavasana and I immediately wanted to know when it was over. I was sitting there going, I, this was, this was great. Awesome. I'm glad I experienced yoga. This is cool, but I'm done now and the class is over and I have shit to do after this. So how long is this going to last? Because the teacher did not tell us how long it would last. And I'm sitting there like, okay, we can go now. Got things to do. And then my mind starts wandering and it goes to all the things that are stressing me out and all the things that are giving me anxiety and all the people that I'm dealing with in my life. And it just wanders so freaking far from that room that we were in. And it didn't come back until the end when the teacher said, Alrighty, well, wherever you're at, you can start to wiggle your fingers and toes and wake your body up. And you know what we all say at the end. And I was like, thank God I can't be here anymore. And it was like that in every single yoga class after that for a really long time where I would get to the end and I would wonder when it was going to be over. And it was incredibly difficult to sit there in stillness and silence and just be. But that is when true healing happens. If you are somebody that's struggling with, I don't care what it is. You are a normal person, normal, quote unquote. I don't think any of us are normal. That's a topic for a different discussion. If you are a socially normal human walking around the world and living your life and doing all the things And maybe you're in a place of, I don't know, maybe you're not super content with your job right now, or maybe you're a newer parent and you're trying to navigate that, or you have what you consider to be like normal day-to-day anxiety or, you know, whatever the quote unquote normal things are that you're dealing with in your life, stillness can help with that. I promise. I can't promise a lot when it comes to your mental health, but I can promise you that stillness will help and you will hate it. You will hate it so much and you will loathe it. <laughs> I still hate it and loathe it some days, truly. And I sit in a hell of a lot of stillness these days and silence, uh, less stillness, more silence, I should say. And some days I get to the end of the day and I'm like, man, what did I do today? Because I feel like, my thoughts were 10,000 miles away all day and I really wasn't present in my body. So it's, it's not, yoga is not a magical fix for, you know, you, you take a few classes or you practice for a few years and all of a sudden you've achieved this irreplaceable feeling of peace and presence. And like, that's not how it works because that's not the world we live in. I wish it was, but it's not. But the more consistently you practice stillness and silence, the easier it will get. And there are a lot of tools to help make that a little bit easier. For me personally, I noticed that the more I got into yoga and started going to a little bit more challenging classes, there were there was a time period where I went to a lot of hot yoga And if you've never done hot yoga, it's very intense. The room is, I mean, it's literally what it says. It's hot. It's hot as hell in there. Uh, And you sweat. You start sweating from the minute you walk in the room and you're 
you're not just lying there. You are moving and there are some power yoga classes done in hot, hot yoga studios. It gets really, really intense. And I found that if I were to do something like hot yoga or just like a general, more fast paced, you know, challenging me more type of yoga class, the Shavasana at the end was always much easier. It's like, oh, thank God. I can lay down. We're done. You know, it's, it's like, I feel like I just went through an hour workout and now I can lay down and I can just be for, you know, however many minutes, two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, however long that particular Shavasana is. And so for me, I found that that works really, really well. I'm also a, a highly, I tend towards the more highly anxious side of, of my brain and how it has been developed over the years. And so for me to be able to start off and move and move quickly and move in a way that makes me feel strong and challenge myself, maybe even sweat a little bit, that helps me appreciate the silence and the stillness at the end. If I'm pushing and I'm moving, and then I get that break. That for me is the break at the end. Now that being said, there is a time and a place to not push yourself and exhaust yourself to the point of like, okay, thank God I'm having this rest. There is a time and place for very intentional, slow movement, focusing on your breath. That's a huge one for helping us come into stillness. Um, so it's not just moving and grooving really quickly. It's also let's come into a place of focused around your breathing. And what is it? what happens in your body, quite literally, what happens in your body when you inhale and when you exhale? It sounds like a stupid question, but it's, and I've said, I've said this before, breathing is such a central point in our nervous system. It really helps to regulate so many bodily functions that have to do with our nervous system, our fight or flight responses, the way we respond to stress, our anxiety levels, our depression levels, whatever it is that you have, breathing helps so much. And there are amazing breathing techniques out there that target those different things. And you can see the difference in someone's whole body and their face when they walk into the studio and I sit across from them and I start the class with some breath work. It's, it's like a night and day difference when, you know, from beginning of class to we've done a couple minutes of breath work and people open their eyes and they're like, Oh, okay. That was really nice. I'm not sure why I feel different or what's going on, but like, I'm, I'm more at peace. I'm more present. I feel like I can actually be here now. And I've actually left all of, all of the day's shit at the door and I can finally be present in this class. So breathing cannot be underestimated. And the feedback that I hear from people when I facilitate certain types of breath work, even people that have done um, a video of mine that I do with breath work for anxiety, even the feedback that I've gotten on that, like a lot of the feedback is, oh, I've never done that type of breathing before. That is so weird. But also I just felt, I just felt so different at the end in a good way. So when we're talking about tools to help us come into stillness a little bit more, we want to first look at how can we move our bodies? Is it possible first to move your body in a way that maybe gets your heart beat up, maybe challenges you a little bit more? And of course, I'm going to say all day yoga 
is amazing for that. But there's also other things that are great for that. You know, any kind of a, a workout, walking, whatever it is that you're doing, that is really, really helpful at the end of that to be able to be like, ah, oh, now is my time of rest. Now is my time of stillness. It makes it much easier. So that's the first thing. The second thing is your breath. And you can do breath work any time of day. And it's accessible to all of us. If you are a living, breathing human, which if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you are not an alien, but maybe you are. I don't know. Maybe you are. But if you're an alien, you're also living and breathing, right? Do they have lungs? I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't know anything about aliens. But um yeah, if you're a living, breathing person, you have lungs, you can do breath work. And I, I got I used to get a lot of pushback from clients when I was doing therapy. <clears throat> all kinds of different clients. It didn't matter who they were. I always got pushed back for wanting to do breath work because number one, it seems weird and it can be awkward to sit across from somebody and do breath work in front of them, right? Like it's, it's weird and awkward or it can be at first, but also it caused them to sometimes put defenses down that they had up, right? Defenses that didn't allow them to be in the present moment so much. And so if I was successful in guiding somebody through some breath work, again, their whole demeanor would change. And the type of work that we ended up doing in therapy was exponentially different. Like there was a massive difference between people who were like, okay, I will, I'll give that, that weird breath work a try. I will close my eyes and I will follow your lead on this breath work and we'll see where it goes. The difference between people who did that type of work in therapy and people who, who didn't, it was, it was telling. And we got a lot deeper, a lot quickly, a lot more quickly. Um, so, you know, there's something to it. There's something to it, not just in the yoga space, but in the, in a therapy space, in just the whole mental health space in general. So breathing is key to to healing. And I mean, our breath is our life force. If we, if we aren't breathing, we aren't alive. Right. So it's very important. It affects so many different parts of our brain and our body. So those are two things that are important to note. If you are somebody like me who struggles to be still and sit in silence, it's tough. It's tough to be in this world with so much being thrown at us. And we're all so busy. And when we get done with a long day of work, we don't want to just come home and, <clears throat> or the natural reaction for a lot of people is to not want to just come home and meditate, right? Well, I want to, I want to come home and turn my favorite show on or have a glass of wine or, you know, whatever the case, like vent to my husband about how my day was or whatever it is. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with any of that. But also if you take a couple minutes to reflect on what's going inside, going on inside of you that you just want to drown it all out. There's something, there's something worthwhile there and I'm not perfect with it at all. You can ask my husband. I have YouTube on and a podcast and music and the TV and 
I have, I have shit going on constantly and I, I have to be so, so intentional to turn it off. Even for me, sometimes winning is okay. I can't sit in stillness right now, but I will put on some music. Like I will not listen to somebody talking about something else. I'll put on music and that's, that's a step for me. So if you are somebody like me who struggles to just be from one person on the struggle bus to another, you got this. I promise it's a, it's an everyday work in progress for me. It's super, super hard, but if you find those tools and you try to utilize them as much as you can, it does help. And like I said, Shavasana was the worst thing ever to me in my first yoga class. And now I appreciate it. And my biggest aha light bulb moments in my life have been in Shavasana, have happened in that those moments of stillness and moments of silence. Massive life changes that I've made, big decisions, big life decisions have happened in Shavasana. And I have never once regretted any change, any decision, any self-awareness that I have had in those moments of stillness because those are the moments that I gain the most clarity. And if I'm being really, really honest with you, it's not always fun. A lot of times I have realizations that I really didn't want to have because it forces me to step into areas of growth in my life that are really tough or can be really tough. And so it's not always fun to be self-aware, but it's really, really freaking important to healing, to just being a better person, to growth. We, we shouldn't ever stop growing and learning and changing ever. And there are many days where I'm like, you know, I think I've had enough life lessons for this year. I really am good. Like not another one. I'm not ready for another one. And then another one comes and it's because I sat in stillness. I actually had that experience today where I had a couple of thoughts and a couple of realizations and I was like, oh, I don't really like that. That's not, that's not fun. <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to know that. Let's, let's go back to just being blind to that realization. But, but that's life. That's life. And to have a practice in yoga that you can come back to is, at least for me, it's very central in that. It has been the most life-changing practice and lifestyle and whatever else you want to call it for me. Therapy was life-changing, but it wouldn't have been as life-changing if I wasn't practicing yoga along with it. There was there was a lot of inter intertwined connections, intertwined whatever it is that I'm trying to say. I couldn't have had one without the other. Therapy and yoga for me worked so hand in hand and at this season in my life, yoga is my therapy. And I'm very thankful for that. So wherever you are at, I invite you to find some stillness, find some silence, and see what happens. See what happens when you do. And it may be fun. It may be horrible. I have all those experiences too. And that is all I have for you today. My brain has 
officially shut off for the day. I have no other thoughts. So I will leave you with that. And if you have any questions, specific topics that you would like me to cover related to mental health, yoga, all of the things in between, you're more than welcome to send me an email. My email is irisembodimentcenter at gmail.com. And that is it, folks. So thank you for listening. And until next time. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode or you just enjoy this podcast in general, I invite you, if it feels right for you, to click that follow button or that subscribe button or whatever button is listed there and maybe write me a review. Maybe not. Depends on what you feel like doing. And if you are curious about my offerings, all the things that I do online, I invite you to check me out either at irisembodimentcenter.com or on YouTube at The Yogi Social Worker. See you next time.